This is the Thursday Night Podcast, your source for news, analysis, and all things Georgia State sports. Because every day is Thursday. Hello and welcome to episode 176 of the Thursday Night Podcast. My name is Jordan and I'm joined today by Brady and David. We've got some news in basketball, football, and baseball to discuss. Well, let's go ahead and jump right on into basketball. We did get two commits this past week from BMI guard Ricky Bradley Jr. and from Wake Forest guard Lucas Taylor. Gentlemen, what do you have to say about these two young men? Yeah, last two weeks actually, because obviously we weren't didn't have a pot out last week. Just schedules didn't line up uh, very lately in the the whole sequence. It was kind of like, yeah, we can't actually get a pot out this week. Um, so Bradley was the one who was out first, and it, it's the one that. He had visited a while back and it was always kind of a heavy Georgia State lean. So when that news came across and he committed on his socials, that one especially was not particularly surprising. It kind of felt like it had trended that way. And, you know, it is kind of the polar opposites with these two as far as like what you're projecting versus what you've seen, because Bradley is a guy who, as a freshman, played some pretty significant minutes for VMI, uh, put up some good numbers, especially as a three point shooter. And he's also a guy that you can trust at the point guard position. So I think you have him, what you can see already at the college level is a young guy who can make threes and be the backup point guard to Dewan that we've been talking about being a need. And then with Lucas Taylor, highly touted recruit out of you know North Carolina in high school, ended up at Wake Forest, hasn't had to play much or hasn't gotten to play much. He, I know from what I read, got a little bit of an injury in the middle of this past season because um, he actually played to start the season and he was starting games to end the season as well. Uh, played like 18, 20 minutes in a few, like the final five games. But a guy that really hasn't had much happen at the NCAA level to where it's like he was eight of 20 on threes this past season. That's basically the the one stat that you can point to is anything. Uh, so it's kind of with him, it's projection. With Bradley, it's more like seeing what he does in the new role. but you've seen him as a freshman put up numbers that, you know, it's been a while since a freshman has put up those type of shooting numbers uh, at Georgia state. So certainly you've seen it already for him and it's about a new system and what he's able to do maybe in a, a backup role to Dewan. So two guards, two guys that should offer shooting kind of, you know, different paths on how they've gotten here. I feel like we're just making the exact same team as there was last year. Um, and it, I, Oh, God, that sounds like it's a negative thing, but I don't mean it to be a negative thing because I think the true talent level of the team last year was still better than 10 wins. Um, I'm just going to say, I, I don't endorse that framing of it because I feel like that's inviting all kinds of stuff. It's a different team. Oh, okay. Let they me. They got the t-shirts to prove it. They do have the t-shirts to prove it. But let me elaborate on that. Only, and the reason I say it's it feels like a similar team than last year is because the the one thing that Georgia State didn't do last year really was the offensive side of the ball. Like that, obviously, was where they struggled. And so I think, I think they've created. The a lot of similar players to what we thought the talent level was going to be last year, and they've also added guys who have a little bit of something else. You know, there's we we've talked about the shooting that they've added already. Getting in a guy like Ricky Bradley Jr., it's just it's more shooting. You know, obviously Lucas Taylor has a little bit different of a profile, but 
part of what I was saying earlier in the offseason with this idea that Coach Hayes is just really targeting guards and wanting to improve guard play is it really seems like they looked at the players that were on the team last year and they thought, okay, Dwan's going to be a guy who's going to drive to the basket, not really shoot threes, but just drive and, you know, kick it out to other people. But there's going to be other offense created around him. You know, they thought, all right, Colin Moore could be a guy that can also do that. Um, you know, Caleb Scott, Danny Stubbs, like they thought all of those guys would be able to create their own shot or work within the offensive flow. Um, you know, Evan Johnson would be the one standing in the corner shooting threes. And, you know, those parts, they didn't work. I'm not saying that the parts that Coach Hayes is getting this year are not going to work in the same way that they didn't work last year, but you can very clearly see the type of player that keeps getting targeted and the type of player who coach Hayes wants on the team. And I mean, like, honestly, I think if we're talking about, you know, 90th percentile for these players, like the the ones coming in, I think you could say could be better. They probably are better, but a lot of profiles are just going to end up being similar to what we thought last year's players could do. And, you know, it's going to be funny when like, 10 results get flipped from what they were last year simply because guys are actually playing like how we know that they can be playing. Yeah, you mentioned more. You know, Taylor's, depending on where you look, 6'5 or 6'6 is his listed height. So guy who shoots threes at about that height, it feels like a pretty like-for-like like replacement type. And I don't need to like put like he's going to be Colin Moore on the court, like obviously different playing styles, different players, but especially because he's a guy that, you know, came in after Colin left feels pretty easy to say that there is a bit of a, he's filling that type of role. That's what they're looking to have replaced. And so now you have added in after Jaheim Hudson enters the portal, you get another forward, maybe a little bit smaller, but about the same size as, uh, Jaheim and Jaden Turner. You've now added a guy basically profiles the same as Colin Moore, maybe a little taller. And you know, I did lead with, he doesn't have much st- stats at the college level, but I, I do want to give him his fair shouts as well. And, you know, he was a three-star recruit out of high school and he averaged 27.9 points as a high school senior, 2.2 steals a game, eight rebounds a game, uh, 21 points as a, a junior. So obviously at the high school level, he certainly showed out to the point where he got an offer to commit to an ACC program. Uh, and, you know, Wake's a, a school that they've been kind of fringy near the tournament the last couple of years under Steve Forbes. They've not really maxed out, but they've had some good guards. And so aside from him having the injuries that he was dealing with, there just were some really good players in that rotation. I think this is kind of an old school transfer type deal like the way the system quote unquote should work kind of like Kevin Swin on the football side leaving Clemson and going to Georgia State where there should be more minutes available to him here and if he can be that guy that he was or anything like it coming out of high school you know this is a high level talent coming to Georgia State and so you know because of the reality of minutes and just the way shot distributions work not everyone is going to max out what we have said on this pod of like, oh, this guy could be this or this guy be could be this guy could be this. Obviously, we're going to see how it plays out, uh, but I do feel like this is another person you've added that you can trust to 
you know, he could be the guy that breaks out and gives you that shooting. Like, and all this off season has been about is adding guys that are that, you know, Mackie and Lane. And now both of these guys really offer you, you think some shooting. And so you figure at least half of them are going to make the shots you want them to. And that should put the offense in a better footing. And like we've talked about with Bradley, like Dewan needed a backup. He needed to not necessarily have to play 35 minutes a game. Now it feels like another guy that you can have come in because there wasn't really a point guard depth behind him this past year. And especially once Evan Johnson was no longer playing and then eventually was not going to be on the team anymore, you know, you're really looking at kind of a, a black hole and it's what led to you leaning on Dewan as much as you were. I think we talked about this with Ben when we had him on the pod. Dewan is going to be a better version of himself if he's only playing in the low 30s as opposed to playing mid-high 30s every game, even up to the entire game, as he did a couple of times this past year. He's just going to be fresher as the season goes on. And so if you have a guy that you trust to play every point guard minute that Dewan isn't out there, absolutely a need from this recruiting class to help you know, make a strength – that you think you're still going to have because when Dewan was playing well, healthy and early in the season, especially he was offering you exactly what he profiled to offer you coming here from Xavier. This is going to give them a chance, I think to do that on a more consistent basis next season. All right. I have a take. I just, I looked it up while you were talking. <clears throat> Tell me if I'm crazy or not. I I don't mean this in a, He's going to be Sunbelt Player of the Year, hit that height level. But do you think Lucas Taylor kind of projects into a similar style um, as Tavion Kinsey? Like, am I, am I crazy for thinking that their games are similar? I really would have to see a lot more to make any kind of player comp to feel comfortable with. And I also, like, you laid out all the reasons why you don't want to lay that type of, like, he is barely been on campus you don't want to put that type of like no pressure go be an all sunbelt player but i i think you can see the upside with a, a few of these guys they brought in like i think that the forwards they brought in leslie and turner aren't necessarily the guys i'd look at to say they're going to come in and average double figures and points and like light it up i think they can fill a role especially if they can mesh well with dewan and now with bradley the other point guard and get kind of some flow going but I think the guards you added are all guys you could think could go go off in a game and just hit a bunch of threes. And I think you maybe added the highest upside guy now because he came from Wake. And you know, I haven't you know verified this versus the other guys' his high school numbers. But I mean, 27.9 points a game in high school. I don't know that any one of the other guys has that in their bag, you know, in their CV, so to say. So I think that... I agree in that it feels like a high upside. Like if he hits, I feel like you're right that he could be a high impact guy. And, you know, I think after losing Colin Moore, that was maybe the biggest worry is that coming off of the 10 win season, you had lost maybe the one guy that you thought could be that in Colin. And now you might have that back. You're going to have to see it play out. You're going to see how he message, see how he meshes, but, I certainly see what you're saying. I, I'm backing it off for you just for the sake of like, let's let the guy get to Atlanta, get into the system. And like, let's expectations don't need to start yet. I mean, it's more about like, let's 
let's see the trains get back on track before we're talking about that level. But, uh, you know, and you brought up Tavian Kinsey. I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, the Georgia State obviously needs to improve and the Sunbelt has been a growing league, but Andrew Taylor left for the transfer portal this year, probably going to get some high major offers to, to leave Marshall and go to a big league uh, for his, his last season. Tavian Kinsey is out of eligibility. He's gone. It, Southern Miss was near the top of the league and had players leave. I, I don't think that Sunbelt's going to have a huge drop-off, but I think that the, the teams at the top aren't going to be as good as they were, or at least they're going to have to do some rebuilding to get to that point also. And so as we're talking about Georgia State needing to improve, I think they've added the necessary talent, and I think that it's not going to be what it was this year where the top is, you know, there's four teams that are just head and shoulders better. I think that they leveled off a little bit, and I think that's to Georgia State's advantage as they're trying to build – back from the bottom all the way up. I'm not saying they're going to do it, but I think that the league is in a more open position. I couldn't tell you right now who I'd pick as my, as my favorite because a lot of guys lost a lot. You know, a lot of teams lost a lot of good players. All I can hear you saying is that everything that those announcers last year were saying and their fears about, oh, Georgia State is down right now, but come on now, they're not they're not going to be down for long. That's that's all I hear. But I, I you know, I agree with you. I, I don't want to, you know, smoke the Lucas Taylor puff or whatever people say. But uh, can I say that on the pod? Is that is that kosher? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, but you know, long story short, I suppose I think. I think the the ideal for him is you, you know you don't need twenty two five and five right I mean that'd be great don't get me wrong that would absolutely be great but you know get him in the system see what he can do because I mean the guard rotation it's it's going to be a deep rotation next year and you know maybe by the end of the year with injuries knock on wood that there are none but maybe you know, with some performance, some guys kind of push other guys to kind of the fringes and, you know, they have to sit a year or transfer again, you know, whatever, whatever. But, you know, I I think based on what we have seen from the transfers, I mean, it's just another really good addition. Yeah. I mean, like I was saying, like we spent a lot of time talking about someone who probably is not going to be the factor just because the minutes won't be there because it's a full guard rotation now. Uh, and the other thing I wanted to mention, we were talking basketball. Obviously, some of this stuff has trickled in. Caleb Scott committed to Presbyterian after entering the transfer portal. And then just recently, Evan Johnson announced he's going to UNC Asheville. And maybe something we didn't give enough credence to, and it happened. Uh, Jaheim Hudson is committed to SMU and Rob Lanier. Obviously, makes a lot of sense that he ended up following the coach that recruited him, the staff that recruited him. Uh, and he's getting a chance to go to the AAC to do it. Um, certainly, that made a lot of sense to where we probably should have been a little bit more ready for that to be what it was. I don't, I don't think it was a foregone conclusion, but him ending up at SMU makes a lot of sense to me. And certainly, if he can go into year three and kind of make it another leap like he was able to do this past year, he's obviously the type of guy that Lanier's looking for forward position because he recruited him initially. And I think that he could certainly do it at the American conference level. I mean, I think we thought that year three was going to be, you know, you're going to lean on him a lot if he'd stayed at Georgia state. And I don't really think any different now that he's at a different team. Like, I think he is a guy that he had some stuff he needs to iron out. Um, 
but offensively, especially as he was getting that mid-range going, certainly would not surprise me to see him take another step uh, in the original system that he was signed to do it in. My only thought about him and his offensive game, if he spends all summer working on his hands, you know, using a tennis ball or something, just really honing in on his hands. I mean, SMU would probably have to be a pretty poor team for him to feel like he needs to take as many threes as he took last year. Cause like, the, like the thing is, is he does have a three point stroke. Like let's, I mean, let's, let's call a spade a spade, you know, it might not be the prettiest sometimes, but there, there are times where it did go in. And I just think the nature of Georgia state this year kind of led him to take a lot more than he probably should have. Um, but if SMU is a better team with better shooters around him than last year, for Georgia State, I I really think that he can be a very good, very good basketball player in that conference. No doubt in my mind. And so as things stand, there's still one scholarship to give away with these moves. Uh, the portal is going to close mercifully for everyone involved, but especially Georgia State, the way that this offseason has gone, uh, by the time this podcast is out. And so knock on whatever. Probably the movement's done. It feels like that last scholarship probably going to go to a big, but we'll see what Jonas and his staff have in mind for that. I don't think it'll take very long. The Both the good thing and the bad thing with the portal is this stuff happens pretty quick. The Lucas Taylor was not really on the radar, and then suddenly he was taking a visit and he committed. And that was within the space of about a week. So I think you have the same situation now where you got one more scholarship still to give. Still a lot of guys out there. Wouldn't surprise me if they want to lock up the roster pretty soon and move forward and just say that's the set of guys we've got. And like I say, I think it'll probably be a guy down low. We'll see. All right, let's go ahead and shift gears, talk a little bit of football real quick. We did get a football commit. South Carolina transfer offensive lineman Colin Henrick, who was a walk-on at Carolina but was a mid-three-star recruit out of high school, listed at six foot three, three oh five. He'll play on the inside of Georgia State's line next year. Gentlemen, thoughts on Henrick? Yeah, kind of an odd one because, like you said, he was a walk-on, and so I feel like the inherent thought there from anyone is like, oh, it's a walk-on. Like, what's he going to do here at Georgia State? But it is kind of a weird situation because he was a guy that Georgia state could have, you know, gotten out of high school would have been recruiting out of high school at the, you know, he was a mid three star. I, I forget exactly where he was in the rankings, but I think if he had committed out of high school, he might've been like the highest uh, rated offensive lineman Georgia state's had um, come to Georgia state. And so that speaks to like, he was at the level of other guys Georgia state were recruiting he was a legacy as far as I understand it, South Carolina. And so that's why he would have ended up committing there and going as a walk on there because family connection, uh, especially, you know, football family, you know, sports family connection, those things run deep in the South. And so it totally makes a lot of sense. I don't know that he necessarily comes in as like, he is going to be one, a starter, at one of the interior positions, but I did want to just say from that, like, I don't know that I believe that he's just like traditional, like walk on going to scholarship at a lower level program. I think he's a guy that could have been on scholarship here already. And so I don't know that I pencil him in for any of the spots, but I think he legitimately is going to come in and compete for positions for sure, compete for starts. Um, and, you know, like we've talked about 
probably ad nauseum at this point because it's been several months since the football season ended and it didn't go great. The offensive line needed some more depth last year and got tested. It wasn't there. And as a result, the performance slipped, especially down the stretch and in some key games and late in games. And so any additions that you can make there to add the competition, I think everyone's all for. I think that's what they need. And, you know, we'll see how it shakes out with who plays where come the Rhode Island game. Yeah, you know, nothing really profound to add to that. I mean, hey, this team, they're they're running the ball. It all starts with the offensive line. This dude is 6'3", 305 pounds. That's, the you know, the measurables look good there. So, you know, until we actually see some tape, obviously, you know, we're not going to know. But it, it's just going to be one of those things where he's going to need to step up. The whole team is going to need to step up and – you know, that's that's how they're going to win games. Like, it, it, it really is that simple. I think we can talk about, you know, the passing game. We can talk about, you know, there's some revol- it's a revolving door of running backs a little bit because of some people who, you know, left the program last year. We could talk about some of the losses on defense. But, you know, in my humble opinion, none of that really matters if the offensive line isn't set. So. And just as far as metaphors go, I feel like it's very on the nose if a transfer from the University of South Carolina comes in and fixes the offensive line of head coach Sean Elliott's football team. It feels very on the nose given uh, the staff's connections and affinities to the the Palmetto State and Coach Elliott having literally come from South Carolina. So I don't know if that means it's too obvious and it's not going to happen or if it's just kind of like the perfect summation of like, Things turn around in 2023 and, you know, the spearhead of that on the offensive line was a guy literally from that program. So I guess we'll see how that plays out. All right. And last but certainly not least, we got to talk about baseball. The highs and lows continue for the Buslot boys. A three and one week last week with a weekend sweep over Marshall and a loss to Vanderbilt on Tuesday, May 2nd, followed by an 0 and 4 week featuring the wrong kind of sweep at Texas State this past weekend and a 7-2 loss at home to Wofford in the midweek. The Buslot boys sit at 24-26 and 26 on the season and are currently on the outside looking in for the Sun Belt Tournament in 11th place at 11-13 and 13 in conference. On tap this weekend is a rivalry series at home against that team down south, Georgia Southern, who are 24-24 and 24 on the year and 14-10 and 10 in the Sun Belt. Gentlemen, thoughts on the Buslot boys? I'm going to start because I'm going to be really negative probably uh, on the pitching. Ryan Watson looks good through two starts. Did really well against Marshall the two Fridays ago. Last Friday against Texas State. I mean, he was not the reason they lost. Um, you know, six innings in both start. Both starts. One run in the first get in the first start against Marshall. Wasn't earned, so that's good for him. Um, and then in the game against Texas State, he had three earned runs. But I mean, it's a dumb stat, but it's a it's a quality start. So you know, I I don't even know if college tracks quality starts, but let's apply the MLB standard. It's a quality start. So you know, I think you take that. I mean, at the end of the day, Texas State scored five runs in the seventh and eighth, and that more or less is your ball game. So you know, I, I think the bats. Um, they have cooled a little bit. Um, that Marshall series was better, but they've kind of cooled a little bit, and the pitching has kind of been a little shaky, like we've talked about all you know all year. Um, but you know, it's it's just kind of at the end of the season, so they kind of are what they are at this point, right? 
Yeah, I mean, we obviously didn't have a pod last week to talk about the Marshall sweep and then going admirably up to Vanderbilt. You know, you lost, but that's a team that's especially right now kind of on a heater. They're back in it. It's a really good program. So you take the three one a week. I guess I don't know whether it was a positive or a negative for us as content creators that we avoided the whiplash that, you know, last week would have been a lot of like, yeah, it's exactly what you needed. Things are pointing in the right direction. And this, you know, this week it would have been, oh man, brutal. 0 and 4, you know, getting swept by us. So certainly it's a more level discussion from us because we aren't going through the highs and lows, you know, separately. It all happened at once. We can just look at it in, in the hole and in the round. And, I, you know, you did what you needed to against Marshall. Just you needed to get a sweep there, especially because you dropped the game against Arkansas State a couple of weekends before that to where going five and one against those two at home was about what you had to do bar minimum. And you cleared that you didn't need to beat Wofford. You didn't need to beat Vandy. Like at this point, the series is that matter, you know, the games that matter, the series is the weekend in conference, because right now you're on a tiebreaker sitting outside of the tournament in Montgomery, and you don't have a tiebreaker over the team that's one above you either, or one above the team ahead of you you know south alabama you're tied with they have the head-to-head because they won the series in mobile app state is the next team up Uh, they're 12 and 11 in conference play they've got the tiebreaker for the same reason and so you know you got your work cut out for you these there's two series like and that's all there is there's no more midweek games those are over it's just two series uh this week it's the home series against georgia southern the week after it's at old dominion all you can do right now is write what's in front of you. It's your last home series. It's a Georgia Southern team that I would say probably they're feeling disappointed about the way the season has gone for them because last year they hosted a regional and this year they're at exactly 500 at this point of the year. And obviously a little above that in Sunbelt play and might have a chance. Obviously they'll have a chance if they win the Sunbelt tournament, but I, I don't know where they'd sit. I don't think that they could make it as a uh, as an at large uh so they're kind of looking they're in the same boat where they're needing to stack some wins together feel good about Montgomery it's the last home series the team that maybe isn't as good as they were last year certainly the record isn't as good as last last year so i feel like this is where they have to make their hay you know it is at home you're not traveling anywhere uh you had a home game against Wofford this past week so you haven't You've been in Atlanta for the last week. You've been just set, ready to go. Because I think if they at least win this series this weekend, they'd be back to 500 in conference play. Uh, wherever else that leaves them with other teams, how their results go, you can't control any of that. And you know how that goes will dictate from there what you need to do in Norfolk in the regular season finale. But you know, I think if they lose this series at home, especially because ODU's no joke and you've got them on the road next week. Hard to project unless the other teams around also like lose out and like the standings stay in the exact same spot. Losing this weekend feels like it'd be close to condemning Georgia State to not make in the tournament, which would be a disappointment because this felt like a springboard with the guys you brought back and then it felt like there would be a chance to build on the 30 wins instead of 30 wins is still not a guarantee. And actually, you need to either win out the regular season or 
get to the tournament and win some games there to get to 30 wins at this point because they're six games off that mark right now. And like you said, that's tough. Like they, you know, they accomplished something last year. I mean, they, you know, didn't go far as far as they would have liked based on the season that they had, obviously. But, you know, it, it definitely does feel like a, a slight step back. And, and who knows, you know, maybe next year is when they can actually put it together and, you know, really capitalize on where they are as a team. But yeah, I mean, they certainly have their work cut out for them. They, you can't drop another series pretty much and just kind of let where let the cards fall where they may. All right, and that's just about all the time we have for today. But of course, we can't get you out of here without talking about all the stuff happening in Georgia State Athletics this week. Today, as of the release of this podcast, begins the Women's Outdoor Track and Field Championships in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Panthers will be there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for the duration of those events. And then on Friday, as we discussed, baseball begins their series versus Georgia Southern in Atlanta. Friday game is at 6 p.m. at the bus slot. That will be on ESPN Plus and also on WGTJ FM 97.5. And then on a Saturday, that game will be at 3 p.m. on ESPN Plus. And then on Sunday, the final game of the series at 1 p.m. also on ESPN Plus. And that's it for this week. That is all we've got until baseball travels to Old Dominion in Norfolk, Virginia on the 18th, 19th, and 20th to close out their regular season. And of course, those games will be on ESPN Plus as well. 6 p.m. on Thursday, 6 p.m. on Friday, and 1 p.m. on Saturday. So you can check those out and we'll find out the status of Sunbelt Tournament competition if that ends up happening, of course, we'll keep you abreast of all of that in the next episode when that comes up. But that is everything. Hope you have a fantastic rest of your week. Have a good week and go Panthers.